All right. I know we've prayed a lot this morning, but I'd really like to start with prayer. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this opportunity to share your story as it's been woven in my life. I ask that you would take the words um, that I say and that anything that's dross, you would blow away, and anything that needs to take root in people's lives, that you would help it to do so. We ask your Holy Spirit to be present here and that your word your will would be accomplished. In your son's name, pray. Amen. Okay. Um, there's a... Oh, I might have left it over there. Just a minute. On the top of your papers, there's supposed to be a picture. And it didn't come out very clearly, but I want to show you it because in your homework or in your letter from me, I have... Yes. One of the things tells you that I want you to draw part of a verse. Okay, this is my drawing standing on the promises of God. I'm not expecting anybody, when you draw a verse or part of a, of a poem, we're not looking for masterpieces. This is very simple, but it really tells us that's standing on the promises, and that's me. But if we stand on the promises like this, all we'll do is add inches to our height. We need to stand on the promises in different ways than just physically standing on the word. And that's one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is that when we take promises that God has given us and we concentrate on them, we study them, we allow ourselves to soak in them and we allow them to soak in our spirit, when we let that abide in us, then when the time comes that you need that promise, you'll be able to cling to it. But I, I did wake up one morning last week before the storm and this song, Standing on the Promises, was just going through my head. And I said, Lord, why is this going through my head? I haven't sung this in years. And it just kept going through my head. So I called Lauren, and she said, yes, I know that song. <laughs> and yes, we can sing it. So most of what I'm going to talk to about you today is claiming that promise. And so the, the image that we have is Standing on the Promises. I really like things that are very concrete. Um, I like abstract ideas, but I like a tangible thing that you can say, this is how I know about this, this, this reminder. And so that's why I wanted to create this for you. And that's what those little pictures at the top of your page are supposed to be, is standing on the promises of God. Um, the promise that I want to talk about is really two parts, because in my mind, the promise for God to never forsake us and never leave us is really wrapped up in his love. Um, I, I have a hard time separating that. So let's look a little bit about what is a promise. Um, I have to tell you one thing first. Anne did a really wonderful job. I did the devotions that she said, and I put them away in a very careful, special place, which means that I have no idea where it is, and I couldn't find them. Um, I'm a little eccentric, and that's okay, except that when my eccentricity causes my disorganization to spill out into other people's lives. So I apologize for that, that some of this may be going over the same ground or some of the same verses because I couldn't find the paper to make sure that I didn't do that. Um, we make all kinds of promises. Oh, I promise I'll be there at 7 o'clock. Oh, the check's in the mail. Um, I promise you that that's the truth. I promise I'll pay that. Lots of different words for promises, and you, you have some of them there. Some of them are really simple. Um, a vow, a covenant, 
when we get married, that's a covenant. We covenant to take care of our children and to raise them in the Lord. Um, sometimes a promise is just a way to delay payment. Every time you sign that check or you run that debit card, you are making a promise that you are going to pay that. And you're not paying it today. It's going to come out later. Due to technology, that promise may mean it's coming out sooner than it used to, but you're not paying it actually right that minute. Um, sometimes it's an IOU. Sometimes it's a commitment. Sometimes it's an agreement. Sometimes it's an attest to. I promise that this is true. I attest to it. I say that this is true. And sometimes it's a contract. Um, you, some of you have car payments. Some of you have mortgages. That's a contract. It's a promise. Promises can be written or spoken. And we can use promises lightly. But when we need to be careful about that word. When we promise people in our lives something, you need to make sure that it's something that you really have control over and something that you really can help happen. I promise that you will never get hurt is not going to come true. I promise to never fight with you, honey, is never going to come true. So don't make those kind of promises. I promise that when we fight, honey, we'll take it before the Lord and we'll make up. That's a promise you can keep. So hold your promises tightly and don't give them loosely because a promise is really your pledge that you're going to do something or be available for something. The promise that we're going to talk about is forsake. Now, forsake is a really cool sign. Some of you don't know that I know some sign language. I'm not fluent. I don't speak ASL. But um, I work with some deaf kids, and so I know some sign. But I think this is a really cool sign. Forsake, okay? You have your hands on somebody, and you pull them back. I'm going to... The Lord is never going to pull his hands away. He's never going to forsake you. Um, there are some synonyms here for forsake. I like some of them because I had not thought of them uh, in this terms. Desert, leave. Yeah, I could see that. But how about leave high and dry? Turn one's back on, on someone. Cast aside, break up with, surrender, change one's tune, give up. These are just some synonyms that might help you to take, to understand in a more intimate way what it means when the Lord says, I will not forsake you. Um, Anne talked a little bit about the value of a promise depends on the character of the person or the promise giver. But a promise also depends on the person's ability to fulfill it. I cannot promise you that I'm going to pay you a million dollars. It's not going to happen. I don't have an extra million dollars. I don't even have a beginning million dollars. But God is capable. He is omnipotent. Um, or omnipotent, depending on where you're from. Um, I have a couple of verses here that talk about that. I know that you can do all things, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. thwarted um, Job says to God. And in Matthew, he says, with God, all things are possible. And, for, and this is one of my favorites. For no, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, it says, for no matter how many promises... God has made their yes in Christ. And so through him, they am, amen, is spoken to us in the glory of God. So every time we see a promise in scripture, we know God can, can fulfill it. He doesn't issue empty promises. Now, sometimes it feels like it. Sometimes the promise is delayed. Sometimes the, I mean, just think about Sarah, how long she had to wait for that baby. Sometimes promises don't feel like they're coming true. But God says, I will do it. And his word is unshakable. He doesn't change. Another thing that um, helps us to understand a little bit that God is able to take care of his promises is because he's a creator. Hey, he made everything. So 
It's in his hands. He's in charge. All things are held, sustained in his hands, and he can take care of it. That might not help you, but for me, that, that's really encouraging. This is my father's world, and he's in control. He can fulfill the promises. Um, I don't know about you, but every time I think of Peter, and I identify with Peter, he's in this boat, and he sees Christ walking, and the waves are, are rolling, and the boat's kind of rocking, and maybe there's water coming in. And in my mind, this is always cold. Storms don't have to be cold, but in my mind, it's cold. And he sees Jesus, and he says, Jesus, call me, and I can come to you. And he gets out, and he walks on the water, and he's doing really good because he's looking at Jesus. But then he gets distracted. Maybe the wind pulls at him or he gets slapped with a wave. And all of a sudden, he is not thinking about Jesus. He is looking at the storm. And that's me. I look at the storm. We'll talk a little bit about some of the kinds of storms. But before we do, I want to talk about the storm we just had, the one that postponed my talk. Now, I really enjoyed the storm. I love the ice. I thought it was beautiful because... I was safe in my house, and I did not have to drive anywhere. If I had been on the roads in Atlanta, my attitude about this storm would have been much different. So let's go spiritually to what that means. If we are in a storm in our lives, but we know we are held in God's hands and that he will not forsake us, then we are warm. We are in that house, and we can look at the storm differently than if we're all alone in that car that's running out of gas in Atlanta. If we're away from God and we're depending upon ourselves or our husbands or our paycheck or the government, we're alone. We're out in the storm. So where we are and who we're with influences how the storm affects our life. It influences our perspective on the storm. So I'd like us to remember that we're in the house with God and that we're warm and that he's there and his arms are around us. Just like this, he's wrapping us up in his love and we're not sitting in a car alone by ourselves in the cold, even figuratively. I gotta turn the page. My disorganization did one of the things is that Part of this that you have are some of my notes. <laughs> Not all of them, but some of them. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the three Ds. I like cute little ideas, so this helps me a lot. Um, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. And do not be depressed. The three Ds. Those three Ds usually stem from fear. And those three Ds can cause problems. What does the word say about and about God being with us. Well, I have a bunch of scriptures here, and I'm just going to read some of them. I highlighted or bolded out where it said, where, where in all of these it says, either don't be afraid, or I am with you, or both. Haggai, um, he went and talked to the people, and the people were just not sure that they could do it, and he said, I am the Lord's messenger. Uh, he was the Lord's messenger, and he gave this message to the people. I am with you, declares God. And Matthew talks about, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Over and over again. And one of the ones that I talk about is forsake, because I think that's such a 
a poignant word. I love words. And different words have different connotations. Well, forsake is just so... If I can feel it in my gut. If you forsake something, you're, you're taken away. You're not paying any attention to it at all. It's not just that you left your purse. You abandoned it, and you're never going back to get that particular purse, that book, whatever. You have forsaken it. And so I like that word. So one of my favorite verses about this is where he says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Um, all uh, this be strong and courageous is frequently on the opposite side of these promises. Be strong and courageous, I won't leave you alone. Be strong and courageous, I will be with you. So one of the things I think that means is that knowing that God is with us is part of the vaccine or antidote to that fear of feeling alone and being paralyzed by discouragement. Does that mean that you'll never be discouraged because you know God is with you? Oh, no, that's not what it means. It just means that it can't steal who you are. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and read this one that's at the bottom of the page, Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your hand will hold me fast. When I was a girl, one of the things that I worried about was me letting go of God's hand. And these verses helped me. But I also came up with a little song. I, I'm not a good singer, really. I love to sing. But it was, um, Lord, take my hand, take my life, and don't let go, because when... I'd be most tempted to. That's when I need you the most. And he says, he's not going to let go of me. He's going to be with me. He's going to hold my hand. And those days when I really feel like I'm alone, he's there holding on to me. He will not abandon me. Um, I also talked about, oh, this is where I need someone to dim these lights, about how love goes hand in hand with this. Um, I was sick or had a medical issue that caused me to have to be um, in bed and to sleep, to be on my back. I don't sleep on my back. I never have. Well, my husband, you'll be able to see it up here, brought this, and I'll probably put it, and he put it in our bedroom so that as I lay, not being able to move, very much. I could see these stars and this moon. This is $4.95 at Walmart. <laughs> this was not an expensive present. But you know what? It meant so much to me because it reminded me every time I saw it that he loved me. It was something I could see and touch. It was a tangible reminder of his love. We still use this. You know, it's, it's on a timer. It lasts about 20 minutes. And if I can't go to sleep, I turn it on. And if I'm still asleep, not asleep in 20 minutes, I get up and go to the bathroom, go back and turn it back on. Okay. Uh, we also have used this so much that I have one in my trailer, and I have one in my overnight bag. And we gave one to my grandson and my granddaughter. And we hinted as we gave it to my son that maybe he could use it sometime. If you're traveling in a hotel, you need a little bit of light. You turn this on and those stars are there and they remind us not only 
me of my husband's love. Not only do they shed light that I can see to do a minimum of things, but they also, they're reflecting the stars and the moon, which are the heavens, and the heavens declare the glory of God. So, whoops, that's not a lot of, I mean, this is really cheap, but it was so touching and so romantic that I'm sharing this with you two and a half years later. <laughs> it's a tangible reminder of God's love. I talked a little bit about the stars being a tangible reminder. We get so busy, we don't see the trees that are blooming. We may not see those birds. We may not wonder in glory over that child that has not learned how to toilet train itself, not learned how to make its bed, not learned how to turn in its homework. But you know that day you brought that child home. You knew that this was a gift from God. And that child still is a gift from God. He's just teaching you different things now than he taught you that first day. But those things are, in general, revelation are a reminder of God's love. Um, our relationships are a reminder of God's love because he says, let's see if I'm in the right place. Probably didn't turn the page. No. Um, that all love is from God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So when we think of our relationships with our children, with our spouses, with our, uh, our parents, that love is an echo of God's love for us, and it reminds us, it's a tangible reminder of his love for us. It's like hearing the waves after you've thrown in a rock in a pond, those ripples are what our relationships are with other people. They remind us that God loves us. Over and over again in Scripture, God says, Remember, tell the children, tell the next generation, don't you remember, don't forget. I don't know how many times in the Bible, I should have counted, that they talk about crossing the Red Sea, leaving Egypt. There are whole celebrations that they do to remember. Now, most of us can talk a little bit about, I remember when I was spiritually born. And that's a wonderful story, and it's important. But God has other stories in your life, and he wants you to remember those. Sometimes that means drawing a picture. Some of you are really talented and can do better than my stick figures. That's fine. Some of you can only do stick figures. That's fine, too. Maybe you're creative and can write a poem or a story. And maybe the poem's only good enough for you. But... You can write in a journal. You can tell your children, your neighbors, your friends how God's glory, his love, and his promises have been manifested in your life. That's biblical. We're supposed to do that. We're not supposed to say, I'm fine. Or I'm having a rough day. Pray for me. That's okay, but it shouldn't stop there. Our job is to remind each other of God's glory, of who he is, and what he's doing, not just 150 years ago, 50 years ago, five years ago, but today. And five years ago. Especially those big things. Um, I guess I should check and see how we're doing time-wise, because that'll make a difference as to where I go from here. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you that the cross is a visible reminder. The rainbow is a visible reminder. Scriptures are a visible reminder, a tangible reminder. So I'd encourage you to find some scriptures that are personal to you and do something about them. Write them down, needlepoint them, draw them, highlight them in your Bible, write them in crayon on a mirror, make them yours.
Nothing can separate us from God. Nothing can separate us from his love. Deuteronomy says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. Not just this five minutes that you are feeling really good and having a really high time. Um, How priceless is your unfailing love, both high and low among men who find the refuge in the shadow of your wings. Doesn't matter if you're rich, you're poor, you have a master's or uh, or a doctorate or two or three, or you never graduated from high school, you have one kid or 17 kids or no kids, you're married or not. God loves you. Um, You probably know this song, How Great is the Love that the Father has lavished unto us, that we should be called the sons of God or children of God. Sing it, remember it, think about it. God didn't just say, here's a little bit of love. He lavished it. That means like when you get in the bathtub and you put shampoo, you don't just put a dime of shampoo in there. Or you get the Bible bath, you just don't put a little tiny bit. You put a whole bunch. And there's lots of bubbles. More than you need. But enough so that you feel pampered. You feel special. You're captured in God's love because he lavishes it onto us. Sometimes the storm of life is quick and sudden and dramatic. Sometimes we know for weeks it's coming. Those hurricanes, they tell us and they tell us and they tell us. Sometimes they're bigger than we expect when they get here and sometimes they're smaller. Sometimes storms in our life creep in like fog. And all of a sudden you don't really even know it's there until you can't see. We were driving, my husband and I, and I, it was a gray day. We were away and I thought, oh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to go camping. No, it rained the whole time. <laughs> the sky was gray. And I was feeling, okay, well, the mountains are still pretty. I'm a mountain person. and I, But you could only see a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I looked up and, whoa, there's blue sky. In the middle of all this gray, there's blue sky. And the sun is shining through. And it's golden. And my heart just goes, whoa. I am so excited. I feel so alive. God's love is there, just like that sun. The sun never went away. It was always there. But that gray cloud and the drizzly rain hid it from my perspective, from my view. God's love doesn't change, even if those clouds are in the way. Um, The other day when I was driving here, again I saw clouds, and they were huge. I knew they were clouds because we're in the low country. If I'd been someplace else, I might have thought they were mountains because they were huge and tall and from the ground. And I thought, oh, wow, it looks like mountains. But I knew we were in the low country, so it couldn't be mountains. It was clouds. They were hiding things. They were obscuring things. They were changing perspective. They were lying to me about what was true. And the clouds and the storms in our life can do that. What is true is God and his word and his promises. Um, God is faithful. I want to tell you about one of my major storms in life and about, I was going to use a round life preserver, but I wasn't organized enough to find one. But this was in our garage, so we're going to talk about it. My life preserver verse is Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you, with you, wherever you may go. I had really bad PMS. I would cry, and my kids would say, why are you crying? And I would say, no reason. I can't find lids to the cupboard. 
uh, to the Tupperware. So we begin to discuss PMS with my three-year-old and my five-year-old, and <laughs> it's okay, Mama isn't going crazy. Mama isn't angry. Mama isn't scared. Mama has a blood nest that's not, trying to get ready for a baby, and if the baby doesn't come, the blood nest will go away, and it causes my hormones to get a little strange, and I cry, or I get angry when I shouldn't. It's all right, kids. It's just the way it goes. Don't be upset that I'm sitting on the floor crying because my Tupperware lids don't match. I freaked the lady out in the grocery store. The coupon was expired, and I start sobbing. And she's all upset, and I said, it's okay, it's not your fault, I have PMS. And it got worse. The time between my periods got shorter. The amount of depression time got longer. Um, they sent me to a counselor, and the counselor said, I won't interfere with your Christianity. And I said, in my head, OK, but you don't get it. Christianity is who I am. This is like taking a car to a body shop, and we're talking about an electrical problem. You don't get it. And he didn't. But I had to do that for insurance before they would do anything else. I lay there in bed one day, and I realized that not only might I not be able to get out of bed today, whoops, but I might not be able to talk to anybody. I might disappear so far inside myself that I wouldn't know who I was, that I couldn't talk to anybody. I could feel that cloud coming over me. I could feel that reality as a potential. It scared me. Because I'm the bright kid. I'm the one that loves words. I'm the one that talks. And I wasn't sure I would even know who I was. I wasn't sure that I could get out of bed, that I might not ever be able to communicate with anybody. And all of a sudden, just like that one moment when I saw that blue sky, the Lord assured my spirit that he was with me and that he loved me, not because I was bright, not because I knew what I was doing, and certainly not because I was organized, um, not because of what I could do. He loved me, even if I never, ever could talk to anybody again. Even if I didn't know who I was, if that reality came to be, he told me, he assured me that he loved me, that was incredible to me because, you know, I would get praised because I was the smart kid. I was the talkative kid. I had lots of answers. I was, and here he was telling me, if you never leave this bed, if you don't know who you are, I know who you are. I love you. I will be with you always. It's not dependent upon you. So Joshua 1.9 became my life preserver. I did get out of bed that morning. It was not an easy path. I, had, I went to the elders. We did some praying. Um, we did some medication. Lots of different things happened. But that was really the breakthrough for me. That was so liberating that no matter who I was inside, God still loved me even if no one else could know who I was. The last part of that, I want to sing this verse with you, but I'm going to make y'all sing it, and then we'll be done. 
Um, the Psalm 139 is just incredible, and it talks about that darkness and about God knew us in the womb before we'd done anything, and he loved us then. So, man, why shouldn't he love us if we can't talk? Okay, um, Joshua 1.9 is on your paper at the very bottom, but we start in the middle. Um, it's kind of like a Jewish chant. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you, with you, wherever you may go. Hey, 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 Joshua 1.9. Have I not commended you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you, with you, wherever you may go. Hey, 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 hey. You think you can do it with me? Mm, let's try. Um, I will tell you that, um, I'll tell you, this is God. This is dismayed or discouraged. This is afraid. This is love. Of course it's love because hugs and touching are love. All right, here we go. Mm. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you with you wherever you may go. Hey, 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 Joshua, one night. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you, with you wherever you may go. Hey, 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 hey. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.